HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by GreatBrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit GreatBrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 this is Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's May 6, 2014. A lot's going on in New York City in the world of craft beer. We've got Beyond Kombucha, The Judgment of Brooklyn, and Jimmy Lovick from the Happy Hour Guys. How hey, are you, buddy? I'm great, Jimmy. Great to be back. Thanks for having me, man. So what's been going on? You, you, you get to travel a lot? We are, we've been all over lately. I uh, actually got a, a big episode dropping this week for, uh, about Cigar City Brewing down there in Tampa, Florida, and I think they're going to call and talk to us in a little bit. So. Yeah, we're going to talk about some growler and distribution issues going on in the state of Florida. Yep. Big legal, big legal interesting, uh, I would want, maybe not trouble, but some, some interesting things that y'all are going to want to hear about. So. All right. Right. And I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal, trying to bring you good beer uh, on a regular basis. We have some <laughs> special do. guests tonight. We're, we're covering uh, Michael Brooks uh, from, from Bedvine Brew. He, he created an awesome event, The Judgment of Brooklyn. Welcome to the show, Michael. Thanks for having me on, Jimmy. And uh, we've got, we got Spiro from uh, Beyond Kombucha. How's it going? So we're going to talk about a few things uh, about all those things. First question I want to ask is, uh, it's beyond kombucha. Let, let's start with that because you say you're a, a brewery, mm-hmm. but you're making kombucha. Uh, yeah. Uh, in order to make the kombucha that I make, I had to get federal and state licenses. The kombucha I make is a very con- traditional kind of fermented tea beverage with a culture that ferments sugar and minerals in tea. But when you bottle it, it goes slightly alcoholic over the legal limit. So the feds what is the legal limit? Point five percent in uh, the United States. Ah. So mine's up about one and a half. Uh, so I went and got federal and state licenses. I was the first brewery in Queens officially since Prohibition. Single Cut, all those others came after me, which is cool. It's just a claim to fame, but like, whatever. <laughs> and you they, also you they also they do a cool thing. You have solar power yeah, there in your brewery. Solar power, yeah, it's pretty cool. The largest, pri- the third largest private solar array <laughs> in New York City. So, so they say. So it's they say. massive. It's yeah. really cool. So this is a serious undertaking out there. It's pretty huge. Pretty huge. Um, well, like I was, I was about to say that uh, by getting those federal and state licenses, it freed me up to play with this kombucha culture that mm. is kind of really great in the health food industry, but the craft beer guys don't know much about it. So I get to playing with it, and I have an inherently sour beverage that sets up in like no time flat, and uh, 
it's really great. And I have it. Great. We're going to we're going to have you talk more about <laughs> some of your processes later in the show. Cool. I also introduce a Joe from uh, we don't have as craft beer coach. Hey, Jamie, thanks again for having me on. But now, now you're working with Beyond Kombucha. Yeah, so the story is uh, I got invited to do an L Street News story on exotic beers. And actually, the day I was there doing the interview, uh, the partner uh, approached me about uh, helping them kind of bridge the gap from tea to craft beer. Uh, I think the products are amazing. So uh, I'm doing a little consulting with them and helping them get, you know, get their name and their product out in the New York City area. And M- Michael, at, at Bedvine Brew... Uh, would you sell any kombucha or kombucha beer? Absolutely. I mean, what we try to do at Bedvine Brew is diversify the experience. And, you know, you know, so craft beer is, is a, such a nice diversified experience in itself. And, you know, having something like kombucha just helps, you know, add to that. What we love about the, the whole craft experience, this is Jimmy talking, is uh, Jimmy Ludwig talking. It's like, you know, people Jimmy are so. And Jimmy. Jimmy and Jimmy. People are so uh, habitual about their beverage choices, and the craft world is all about expanding people's horizons and asking people to be brave and try something new, right? I mean, do you get, do you see that out of, out of your place? Oh, absolutely. I mean, our list changes on a daily basis, and I bring in all types of stuff that's diversified. Long as uh, people can, you know, come to your space and, and have something that's experienced that's new. And refreshing, you know. I, I think it keeps people coming back for more. Very cool. Very so, cool. Spirit, t- talk us through. So, we're drinking a, a kombucha beer. Kombucha beer. <clears throat> this is uh, good well, and good for you. <laughs> <laughs> this one's brewed with a base kombucha called Love Potions. It's a, a synergy of herbs I came up with a couple of years back. Um, and I take that stuff when it's done. <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> mm. And I use it to mash grains and uh, make a beer, a full-on beer. And uh, I add saison yeast and the the I repitch raw kombucha back into the fermenter after it's been chilled to room temperature. So you wind up with a synergy of a bunch of different microorganisms fermenting uh, the base nine aphrodisiac herb kombucha and organic grains and a touch of hops and a lot of yarrow. Yarrow is my main bittering herb, which is fantastic. And it's a Gruet style. And uh, yeah, it comes out like this, 7% alcohol by volume and a lot of fun. I can say that I already feel sexier. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, this tells you, you can look up all this stuff. I know you guys are beyondkombucha.com. Yep. But there, there are some basics of uh, kombucha that's a little different than beer. Yeah. Well, kombucha is fermented by a, uh, something that's like a cousin of the vinegar culture, the thing that makes grape juice into vinegar or, you know, whatever. Um, it is – the kombucha culture is very acetobacter dominant. So, a lot of, talk us through it. So right. start with what? Okay. Well, easy. If you can get, get yourself a, a kombucha culture, a, a, if you can get yourself a culture, symbiotic culture, bacteria, and yeast. A scoby. Scoby, yeah. Uh, and you get some – like a gallon of tea – uh, sweet tea. Uh, you ferment it for about a week in, under the right conditions, warm, right, right temperature, etc. And then you wind up with a sweet and sour beverage that if you put in a bottle at that point in about another week or two, it'll become carbonated. And it's like a one and a half percent alcohol beverage, which you can make at home. And a lot of people do. Mm. Super healthy, full of uh, digestive enzymes and really good for you, probiotics, etc. Yeah, and that's that. That's one of our things. I mean, as a matter of fact, we're, we're experimenting with some crazy ingredient called. Uh, well, it's not called anything. It's, it's a very. I don't know if I should reveal it yet, but anyway, don't, it's really, really good. Don't tell us, please. Yeah. I, I, I can make this at home. <laughs> yes, yeah. certainly, certainly. Well, the basic kombucha. This thing. This is a little bit different, and I kind of want to open a second bottle of it because you'll notice the difference in like one batch to the next. It's so hard to to, to keep steady, but eh, it's close. It's close enough. 
because uh, every single batch is going to be different. By the way, for people who are uh, gluten intolerant, are yeah. these, these are all gluten free. No, no, right? no, 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 not this one. Some of them are though. Yeah, I got one called Mava Roca, which is my first one I ever did. Which is like, it's done with uh, sorghum and maple syrup. And this new ingredient that is uh, going to take it to a different place. <laughs> um, has to, well, everybody in Starbucks. It's one of those shows where I, I want to ask that brilliant question. <laughs> I, just, I just don't have it. <laughs> oh. How about Joe, since you wrote about it? What, what's the question that a listener would want to ask uh, Spiro about his product? You must have one. <laughs> well, they want to know, I think they're going to want to know how he goes from a tea to a full-fledged, full-strength beer. Um, I think they want to know how it has so many flavor experiences and taste experiences going on, and yet comes out so balanced. I, uh, I have to say, very there's, complex. There's a ton of complexity here. This is layer upon layer upon layer. It's really it's fun. A lot of herbs. <laughs> it's like uh, nine different herbs that I took two and a half years to try to calculate the balance. And like some of them are seriously woodsy and bitter and peppery, and some of them are really kind of mapley and. Uh, they're all everywhere in between. So if, if you're saying I make a, a, a home kombucha, yeah. it's going to be 1.5% alcohol. Yeah, you could do that then with black the tea The ones in the, in the grocery store that are like less than 0.5% alcohol. That's a different culture. What do they do? Do they water yeah, it down? No, no, no. It's a different, uh, it's a different spectrum of bacteria. It's, they're, they're using a, a non-alcohol producing yeast. And the native yeast in the kombucha culture is Saccharomyces cerevisiae. Ah, which, hey, look at that. We can make beer with that. So <laughs> that's what we do. So they're using a non-alcohol producing yeast. What fun is that? I know, I know. What are you going to do? I mean, come on. Hey, man, some people have aversions. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you have an alcoholic product. <laughs> so this one's, what, 7%? That one is 7%. Because there's, there's friends of mine, they care about my health, and they say, oh, you should have a tap of kombucha because it's non-alcoholic. <laughs> and I said, yeah, guess what? We'll put this one on. How about that? <laughs> now, and Michael, so if, if you had this on, would you be selling growlers of, of kombucha? Do you sell growlers as well at, at Bedvine Brew? Absolutely. would sell growlers and, um, you know, the, we'd pour this by the, gla- um, by the glass as well, too. So. Yeah, the reason I'm bringing up Growlers is that there's going to be a tie in the show. We've got Cigar City calling in from uh, Florida. They're having some Florida. issues yeah. uh, with a proposed legislation that would limit their ability to sell cans and bottles and oh. Growlers directly from from mm-hmm. their brewery, which is something that happens in New York. You know, all the small breweries have these great tasting rooms, and it's an extra source of revenue. But you know, it seems like that's that's a thing playing out between big distributors and uh, the, you know the small craft breweries and. Uh, you know, you were down in Cigar City. Do you have a show coming up on Happy we do. Hour Guys? Happy Hour Guys at happyhourguys.com. We're going to drop uh, our Cigar City episode this week, probably tomorrow or Thursday. And it's going to touch on these issues. Uh, the fact that, you know, in the beginning, as with all of us who, who are associated with the craft industry, you know, the big guys didn't really take any notice because they didn't think there'd be any popularity there. And now they're seeing that there's popularity and they're doing everything they can, maybe above the board, maybe not so above the board, to to limit that growth and uh we just don't think it's fair so we want to we want to let people know about it well talk about promoting craft beer and you know the the growth of the industry one reason michael brooks is on the show is that he created an event called the judgment of brooklyn which is pretty cool i was i was lucky to sit in on the the blind tasting last week and you're going to reveal the uh, the winners at the judgment of brooklyn on may 17th but michael tell us what inspired you i know there was something in paris in the 70s and you've been involved in wine as well as beer, so you seem like you have a, a broader uh, background than uh, than the rest of us. Yeah, what inspired me about a year and a half ago, um, you know, wine, uh, I've been into wine, I just got into craft beer about a year ago, and, you know, I heard about the Paris tasting of 1976, and basically the outcome of that tasting was that 
California uh, wine making, specifically Napa Valley, was put on the map because of the tasting. They put up-and-coming Napa Valley vineyards against Bordeaux and um, that's right. Basically, big guys. Yeah. Napa. And it was in Paris. You know, actually, Napa actually beat out the first growth Bordeaux's and, and by points, and it, like kind of shocked the world. And California wine region hasn't looked back since. So it's a very inspirational story. So I was like, you know what? You know what happened? That the it was an English guy owned a wine shop in yep. Paris, yep. and and he kind of set up the French. Yeah, they didn't realize the, what he was bringing in and, and how he was going to do it. But it, it was brilliant. So yeah, that's I a know. great background. Made a lot of people's careers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so I was like, okay, is there something I could do? You know, adapt. I don't, I don't want to do a remake because it's been remaked over and over again. And so I kind of came up with a concept of Judgment of Broken, where we're basically let's try to do this by craft beer and, and try to do this by wine. And let's do it on an annual basis and let, and let the theme change. Mm. And also, let's add a component where um, people can vote and have some customer interaction with it so that they can pair their choices against experts. And so, you know, it's kind of taken on a life of its own. You know, this is the first year we've done something like that, but it's been very successful so far. We had the judging event last week in Borough Hall, and we have the uh, the consumer event coming up in a couple of weeks at One Hanson Place. So I, I know the judging event was brilliant. You had the the, Manha- the Brooklyn Borough President came. We were in the historical rotunda, and uh, how'd you set that up? I mean, it it was like the the best thing I've ever been to in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah, it was that's saying something. That's great. It is. I mean, really, you really did a great that's a job. Lot of stuff out there. Yeah, I think and it's the first time someone's done anything like this, and so there's a lot of moving parts, and it's kind of you know I can't take full credit for it. It's, it's, I have a good team. But things have taken on a life of its own. So we met with the borough president. You know, he got really excited about this event. He's like, you know, this is a good way to drive tourism for Brooklyn. Let's let's do the judging event. Let's have it in 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 in, um, in Borough Hall in the rotunda. And so we're like, cool. So everything was going to rotunda going to happen in the rotunda. And then when I went into the walkthrough uh, earlier in the week, last week, just a final walkthrough, they're like, you know what? Let's put the food in the rotunda and let's put the actual judging event in the courtroom. And I didn't even know there was a courtroom in the building. <laughs> Burrow Hall used to be City Hall of Brooklyn, um, you know, up until like, you know, the last hundred years or whatever. And so the building's like 150 years old. So they have a courtroom. They have jails downstairs. They have everything in there. That's where I was. I was down <laughs> in the jail. That's why we miss you at That's the That's why tasting, I wasn't in the tasting. I'm sorry. But I, it, I got- it was awesome. I mean, we walked in, and it was, it, was the, it was like James Ty and some other great wow. beer, beer guys. But they were tasting in, in front of the, of the judge's podium, and audiences oh. was watching them. And That's really cool. I was, it's pretty cool. Can I ask you, if you, you've only been sort of an aficionado craft beer for about a year, what about craft beer has really surprised you? Coming from your wine background, what has been like? What was one of the biggest surprises? The biggest surprise to me is just the stylistic expressionism that you get from craft beer to craft beer. Huh. You know, it's actually, I think, a little bit more pronounced than wine. Wine has a little bit more nuances, but in craft beer, it's, it's, it's really engaging because you can just see so many different combinations that, wow, where did this guy come from? And it's like, <laughs> you can make it range go from sweet to sour to bitter and even even they have some type of minerality to it too, and it, it's it's really diverse, and it's really also I think a great easy pairing to have craft beer and food. Absolutely. I think it's a lot easier to, to pair with wine. Yep, very cool. That's great, man. That's great because we forget. You know, we've been doing this a long time, so we forget. Oh, my, Michael's inspiring. <laughs> and then the event itself. So tell us the format for the tasting event on May seventeenth in Brooklyn. So the tasting event um, on May seventeenth, you're, you're going to have. 
um, a choice to start in the, the beer line or, or the wine line. There's 32 beers um, and there's 32 wines. 16 from the U.S. Um, for beer-wise and 16 from Europe. And as everything's organized by style. So you're going to have, you know, IPA, pale ale, stout, porter, wheat. We even had some sour so, beers. It, it was pretty yeah, good lineup. Sours as well, I too. can't reveal. I, I don't know who the winner was, but I, and I, can't, I can't even tell. Is everyone tasting blind tasting the way that I did? No, no. Just the judges doing blind. Everybody else is going to see what they're, you know. So is, is it okay if I mention some of the beers that we tasted? Absolutely. It's all yeah, good. I got the scorecards, though, from the other day. Oh, cool. It was a pretty good lineup. But yeah. The funny thing is, what what'd you have? When you, we're going to do more talks about blind tasting. And this one was, was really well run, and, and there'll be some photos on our Twitter at beer underscore sessions. But um, it was a pretty good lineup. There were things like, you know, Pilsner style. There was a Sly Fox Pikeland Pils, one of my favorites. Nice. Uh, and then they went to Hefeweizen, Julius Echter, Hefeweizen beer, Allagash White. They even had Schneider Weiss Original, which is always... You know, sets the tone. And, you know, the Saison, there was Allagash Saison, uh, DuPont Saison, DuPont. The Glasentorin Saison at Mare, which is very, very rare and limited. So there's a lot of really good lineup of beers. And, and uh, huh. I was, I actually, I was impressed by the selection. I, I didn't, a lot of times these, these type of events, and, and, and I'll, I'll speak my mind, that sometimes people have to, to buy in, and you, you get stuck with a range of commercial beers. And, yeah. You know, there might be a Corona in there, there might be something else. And I was, when, when we tasted them, I had no idea. And blind tasting is, is, is challenging. I don't know, if, Joe, if you've done any blind tastings at all, but um, you don't really know. And I'm thinking, is this going to be like real craft beer? Is it going to be commercial stuff? And when, when they're revealed at the end, I was like, wow. Huh. I, it's, uh, it was a great, really great job, man. Yeah, I mean, the great thing about the whole list was I had selection committees for the wine and the beer. And so what people get to have when they go to this event on the 17th is they get to have a curated list of wines and beers. And I think it's a, it's a big deal because you really don't get that too often. Well, cheers to you because, like I said, I've, I was almost fested out on Beer Fest. <laughs> and you're, you're bringing me back in. So right thank on. you, Michael. Congrats. Cheers hey, to Michael, to everybody. Cheers. All right. Cheers. I'm still well, drinking hey. sexy kombucha. Yeah. This kombucha is good, too. We should open one of the beers. I, 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 I figured we had kombucha. So I, I have a different saison, the, the Blaugy saison, which has a little bit of spelt in it. And um, nice. I thought that would be a good one today. Cool. Well, you know, th- this is a good start to show. A lot, of, a lot of interesting things coming up. We're going to talk to Cigar City in Florida. And we've got a guy, uh, William Miller, who wrote a book, The Beer Drinker's Guide to God, which is going to be a new one for us. So let's uh, take a short break here. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> So you like good beer. Whether you're a craft beer pro or just had your first sip of an IPA, GreatBrewers.com is your number one beer resource on the internet. GreatBrewers.com bridges the gap between the world's great brewers and the consumers who enjoy their products. With so much information and misinformation out there, GreatBrewers.com focuses on education and leaves no stone unturned. Take the great beer test on their website and browse through an extensive product catalog. Download their mobile beer cloud app, which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today. 
Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsors, GreatBrewers.com. They bring so much uh, beer knowledge to us and uh, their distributors around the country of uh, our, our favorite craft beers. Thanks to GreatBrewers.com. So, Love those guys. And Jimmy Ludwig's here from Happy Hour Guys. Hey, 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 yeah. Hey, HappyHourGuys.com. Yeah. So uh, you went down to Florida and you dug up uh, some beer news for us. We did. We happened to stop into Tampa, Florida at uh, Cigar City Brewing, and we heard about some issues that have been going on with uh, not just Cigar City, but all craft brewers down in Florida. And I think we have a guest that's going to tell us a little more about that, uh, Justin Clark from Cigar City Brewing. Justin, you with us? I'm here. Thanks for having me on today, guys. Hey, it's our pleasure, man. Welcome to the show. Justin, I know you've been writing about, and and your owner, Joey, the SB1714, uh, the proposed legislation in Florida. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it in in broad terms and and let us know what can you sell and what can't you sell currently uh, from your brewery? Okay, well, I could start with the end of the story, I guess, uh, this time, but nothing was passed in the state of Florida legislatively that affects anything uh, as we did business earlier this year and and up until now. Nothing has changed after it was all said and done. Um, But I could tell you it was quite a wild ride here in the state of Florida. The Florida Brewers Guild um, had a bill that would allow us to have the industry standard 64-ounce growlers, as well as allow tastings at retail. Currently, both of those things are illegal in Florida. Um, And we had a simple bill in both the House and the Senate. And when that bill was proposed, some of the opposition would be um, one of the wholesale networks, known as the FBWA, um, wanted to add in some additional restrictions. They said they didn't really have any problems with the 64-ounce growler, but they saw it time to tighten up some restrictions on us, which would affect the way we do business. We currently can sell retail out of our tasting room, and it would change just the way we would do some of that. So it was a big, huge fight in Florida going back and forth. Are we going to have to buy our own beer back from wholesalers at a markup and then get it back to sell at our tasting rooms? Would we not be allowed to have a tasting room whatsoever? Would we limited the amount of licenses we can have? There was a lot of stuff brought up this session, but at the end of the day, Nothing was able to pass in the House. The House um, was our biggest ally. So while this bad bill that you guys mentioned, uh, 1714, was passed in the Senate, there was no House companion. So the end of the session, nothing happened this year. It was Friday about 10.30 when session ended in the state of Florida, and we knew we could officially continue to operate as we did the day before. I will say, uh, I call that healthy government. Well, nothing happens. <laughs> but um, what, what can you currently sell from your brewery? Because I, I know you guys are distributing in other states. But if I go to Tampa, Florida, what, what can I buy at Cigar City? Tasting? If you came to visit our brewery, you can buy any of our beers that we have available in six-packs. Uh, you can buy 22s or 750s if we have them available. You can also buy kegs. That we, legally, you can buy kegs. We just aren't making enough beer to really do that, so we don't. We just made a personal choice to not really sell kegs out of our tasting room. And then you could buy a 32-ounce growler, and you could buy a 128-ounce growler. But you couldn't bring in or purchase one of your own 64-ounce growler from 47 other states where that's legal. But I could sell you two 32-ounce growlers, so you could still walk away with 64 ounces just in the state of Florida. That can't be in one container. And, Justin, if I remember correctly, and this is one of the things that kind of steamed me the most, uh, in the Senate, this bill kind of had – it passed in the Senate before it ran into trouble in the House. But the pre- is it true – you can give me the details. The president of the Senate, his best friend, happens to be uh, a 
somewhat affiliated with, shall we say, the big guys? Uh, well, not even just affiliated. So what you're speaking of is the Senate president um, this past session was Don Gates. So obviously the Senate president has a lot of power. Well, people that give a lot of money in his district in uh, the panhandle of Florida, one of the guys is named Lewis Bear, and he happens to own an Anheuser-Busch distributorship. Hmm. So Don Gates was actually on the record reported saying, I got to do what my guys at home in my district, Lewis Bear, wants, and they're against this bill for craft brewers. There was actually an AP article written about that. So it was publicly known that our Senate president was going to do whatever his constituent, Lewis Bear, who gives him a lot of money, wanted him to do. Hmm. But then at the end of the day, you guys won. I mean, was this a false alarm, or, or is, this, is this something that was really at risk? Uh, no, no, it was definitely not a false alarm. And, um, you know, to say we won is relative. We were asking for a simple two-sentence bill, and we did not get that. But we did win in the sense that no new regulations were put on the way we do business. But we weren't able to, we still are not able to package in the 64-ounce growler, which we were attempting to do. Hmm. All right. Tell us about, we've had Cigar City in New York City, and, um, you know, there's a couple of saints somewhere that I've had. And we've got so uh, we've got a, a, a bar and, and restaurant owner Michael Brooks here from New York. Um, Michael, have you had any uh, Florida beers? I've had Cigar City. Um, I think it was called the High Seas or something like that. I had hopped uh, in the High Seas. Hopped in the High Seas. That was awesome. Yeah, you guys do a lot of great stuff with uh, with wood. Uh, we had a real I had a really cool experience in the episode that's about to drop this week. The Happy Hour guys. We took their base IPA, which is High Lie. And all the only changes they made to it was basically dry hopping it, but with wood. Uh, one with uh, white oak. Is that correct, Justin? Yeah, uh, we have a lightly toasted American white oak was one of them that we tried that day. Yep, and we also tried uh, the Spanish cedar, which is actually not cedar, but a form of mahogany, which comes out of uh, the slats that come out of the cigar boxes. And that's in your humidor series. And I have to tell you, just those differences made amazing changes in the beer. I mean, it was mind-blowing how, how much cooler and more layered and complex. And you guys do a lot. You, you take a lot of advantage of local uh, local fruits and basically the, the, the culinary influences of, like, uh, Cuban cooking. And can you talk about that for just a little bit? Yeah, um, you know, we we like to pre- look at ourselves as like the corner bistro um, to some degree. We're able to have a lot of creativity and flexibility here at the brewery. It's encouraged um, to all of our employees. So if there's a new seasonal ingredient or someone gets a line on a on an exotic ingredient or something unique and different, we're able to play around with it. We have two guys on our staff um, that we call our treatment department <laughs> that they will actually take finished beer and turn them into new beers, and that's kind of our R&D project. Um, so, and there, there's two full-time guys constantly trying something new. So when you're in our tasting room, there's, there's new beers to try, as well as we try to send unique and different beers out to festivals, um, both locally and nationally, just to get you know, instant feedback. And, you know, we really want to, we're not purposely like just pushing the boundaries to be different, um, but we're always pushing the boundaries just for more creativity and to try um, new ways to, to recreate great beer. Hey, Justin, t- tell us a couple other uh, craft breweries that are in Florida that you could recommend to our listeners. Sure, yeah, there's, we Florida is really, we've, as you guys are probably well aware, we've been behind the national curve for so long, but right now we're kind of, we're in our infancy as an industry in the state of Florida, but it's really, 
really growing, and there's some great people that are making some great beer um, in in South Florida. There's these guys, uh, Funky Buddha, that are really good friends of ours down in the Fort Lauderdale area. They're doing a bunch of really unique beers, um, getting ready to go through another expansion um, here locally. There's uh, Seventh Sun Brewing. They're doing a lot of Belgian-style stuff. They're also not afraid to introduce Brett into their brewery, so they're doing some fun things with Britannomyces, as well as some wood aging there. Um, there's Swamphead Brewing in, in Gainesville, Florida, doing a lot of great things. They, in fact, they just won the only World Beer Cup this year that came to the state of Florida for their Smoke Signal beer, and they beat out a bunch of German breweries um, with a smoked beer, which was really cool. And then in Jacksonville, there's also um, a bunch of good stuff going with Intuition, Bold City, and Green Room. There's a, there's a lot of great beer uh, popping up in Florida now, which is really exciting for all of us. That's Fantastic. great. Justin, I have one more question for you. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you, you have to guess. This is a guess for you. Okay. What do you think my favorite beer from Cigar City is from your, your regular line of beer? Just guess. Oh, man. Um, I, I'm sorry that it is the first time I've been on or listened to your show, so I don't know anything about your background <laughs> taste. Can, can you give me one hint in which direction, or should I just throw something out there? You throw it out. Core just, just think. What do you think I would like? Oh, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess, because I don't know. Go I'm, for it. I'm going to say that it rhymes with schmore to schmacker. No. No? Michael, what do you think my favorite Cigar City beer is? Um, I guess the, the dry hopped. Ah, you know what? I, I'm, it's, go beyond that. Go to dark. Maduro. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. I love that Brown. beer. Maduro See, Brown. Joe knew. Maduro so. Brown. That All is right. a great brown ale. You, re, you really have make, so, and also you guys pull back a little bit, too. Like, you were doing more distribution, and uh, you're, you're not, what did you do? You decided to not be in as many states. So that seems like a new trend, too, right? Uh, yeah, it wasn't like a, a marketing decision that we're like, you know, try to get people excited about our beer and then take it away. It's just been by necessity of of our growth. We've been very fortunate to be well received um, pretty much anywhere we've sent beer. So we're but but we got to take care of our home, which is Tampa, Florida, and then Florida as a whole. We need to be strong at home before we can really send beer outside. We still maintain all of those previous uh, distribution relationships, so we still send a little bit of beer to New York and Philly, Georgia, Alabama, and Virginia, um, but we just haven't had as much because there's more beer needs here in ho- at home, but we've been constantly investing into our brewery um, so we can we can make more beer to satisfy the local demand and get back out into those markets. And Wait, I gotta, one Wait. thing I say, okay, go ahead, go ahead. Just, Justin, hang with us. I'm going to ask the, our other guests a couple of things related to your, your issues with the tasting rooms. So, Michael, sure. at a Bedvine Brew in, in Brooklyn, uh, what are you allowed to serve to people? Uh, you know, growlers, can beer be taken to go? Like, what are some of the, the New York rules that apply to you? Yeah, I can take growlers, uh, 32, 64 ounce to go. Also, bottle can go. I can take beer bottles to go as well, too. So I, there's really not too much restriction. Do you think more people do they drink on premise, or do they they drink they take beers to go? Well, the way we're set up, we're more on premise, but we do get growlers to go. Most of our retails is growlers, so um, and we're just set up that way. But I mean, uh, you know, the the, the on premise is really nice as well. But the the growlers is, pr- is primarily our retail. Right. And uh, Spiro, at, at, at Beyond Kombucha, the brewery in Queens, New York, what are you able to sell to the public? Currently, uh, we had a growler fill station going on at a local restaurant. 
that uh, decided to want a second cider line asked us to, for bottles, and we were saying we don't really have we don't do the bottle thing. Uh, we're currently selling almost entirely in kegs, but we found a really cool new way to do this. Kombucha being different, uh, kombucha beer being entirely different, it's a very much a niche product, and there's there's but we have a cult following in New York, and we're moving into a place where we're going to be uh, selling mini kegs like one one and a quarter gallon kegs oh, cool. and we're going to be self-distributing this which is something basically you know flipping the proverbial bird at the big the distributors because i mean 30 percent is a lot to take but i love the opportunity that they gave us and they set us up yeah. really nevertheless we weren't in the place to produce enough but now no, we're that's great that so, program. But so jimmy so basically you, you you introduced us to this issue in florida and justin glad that it, it was resolved uh, and the legislator but again it seems that most people are, are, are able to get growlers, and uh, I know in New York State, every, every bar can sell yeah, and bottles four, to go, growlers to go. And 64-ounce growlers are legal in 47 states, but not in Florida. Uh, and especially, in a, you know, one thing I think is cool about Cigar City, and Justin, you can back me up on this, but all your core brands, you actually can them. So in terms of going to the beach and all that kind of stuff, and it's a much better package for the beer, I know you guys want 64-ounce growlers, and I really hope you guys get that opportunity. So we're behind you up here. All right. Oh, well, we appreciate the support, and uh, hopefully we can get more beer up your way so, so you can enjoy ours. But it sounds like we've got some other great brewers on the show as well, so at least you can enjoy their stuff uh, when we don't have beer up there. And we are right at this moment. But I'll take a four-pack of that Humidor series whenever you can, man. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah. Hey, <laughs> what, what, is, what, what was the beer you just tasting? Do you know this beer? The Blaugies? I've never had that before. Really? It's it's a, really? The, all right. The Blaugies, uh, it's Belgian. Saison de Epitoua. It's a saison ale brew, <laughs> brew is spelt. I love and, uh, it. And since love we're drinking, we're drinking kombucha it. beer, I want to make a point of bringing in some great Belgian beers as well. So, all right, Justin, thanks for joining us. We're taking another short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. Thanks, right. Justin. Cheers, guys. Thanks. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Let's give a big shout-out to our network, heritageradionetwork.org. You can be a member. Just go to the site, heritageradionetwork.org. We're so happy to be on this network four years in now. Uh, here with Jimmy Ludwig. Hey. My, my wingman tonight. I'm happy <laughs> hour, guys. And we got Michael Brooks from, from uh, Bedvine Brew, who's uh, hosting the 
Judgment of Brooklyn in May 17th. And Beyond Kombucha, Spiro and Joe from Craft Beer Coach. So, Joe, Craft Beer Coach. So, like, we know you as a writer, Craft Beer Coach. How did you, how did you get hooked up with uh, Kombucha Beer? Well, as I said before, uh, I was asked to do an exotic beer uh, column for Ale Street News. And uh, this was the uh, one of the breweries that Tony Forder asked me to... Uh... Wait, what's so funny, Jimmy? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, Spiro is pouring something right now, and it's ridiculous! You mean it's, it's... like, uh, what, what kind of, what oh kind of kombucha beer what is this? What in goodness oh, this name is this? The Mocha Porcha. <laughs> Let me have some. <laughs> mocha Porcha? What? That sounds like a peak in Peru. <laughs> so, as I said, I was there interviewing okay. them, and uh, really enamored by the product, and got pulled aside, said, hey, we could use your help, and... I want to help you guys. So, so when you when you coach uh, when you're as a craft beer coach, do you run people through drills? Uh, do you, do they have to do wind sprints? I mean, <laughs> um, you know, how? To, well, what what does that really entail? Are you are, you know are you like well, an aggressive coach? Or are you sort of a, you try to be their friend and help them along? I mean, what do you do? Be their friend and help them along. <laughs> That's it exactly. Just try to nurture them and help Let's them. Let's get back to kombucha. So you're 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 you're, you're called beyond. You're a brewery. Yeah, make kombucha beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, just walk me through the layout of, of your facility, because are, are you a, like a typical brewery, or, or things are different there? It's very different there. Well, sh- try to think of our listeners who don't know what the hell right. you're talking about, because I'm still lost. I mean, this tastes good. It's like sour kombucha. Is it beer? I don't know. Well, it's a you beer. Know, it's got is, be, it's is beer, beer in so far as this is brewed with grains. Like, the, the brewery itself was built into what used to be my recording studio. I'm a musician by heritage, but I come in You're losing this. me. All right. What I'm saying is... Why uh, should I drink it? kombucha beer when I have so much good beer to drink? <laughs> well, Why not? You why not? Me, and I'm, I'll tell you something here because as a bar owner, too, I get these pictures all the time. And you want me to, to, to put Beyond Kombucha on draft. Okay. But um, why should I when there's so many other great beers I can serve? What is, does this not taste good? No, but you have to, you have to <laughs> try to convince if, me. All right. First of all, kombucha... This is what I have to kombucha. go through every... Right, Michael? How many times do you get pitched on a beer at a... Bed vine brew constantly. Yeah, like yeah, five right. guys a day walk in. See, generally, I think that the flavor taste sells itself, but uh, kombucha is exploding, craft beer is exploding, but the re- sour. Uh, but is the exploding. reason, so the reason you brought in Joe, the craft beer coach, is Joe. How do you sell uh, kombucha beer to guys like me and and Michael? If you don't buy well, it, he makes you run wind sprints. <laughs> I mean, that's what um, So It makes you one rinse spritz. All you do is run and work out, Jimmy. Jimmy Ludwig. Hey, beer is the best recovery. Beer and kombucha is some of the best recovery beers yeah. on the planet. But let's look. Why, why would I buy a kombucha beer at my bar? Currently, there's only two kombucha breweries in the country. Okay, so kombucha beer, straight up kombucha beer. There's wow. Crooked Stave does a blend with uh, another kombucha producer called Happy Leaf. Uh, but this is straight up kombucha beer, brewed with organic grains. Well, now you're getting it. So if you you have to reference the cool, if you reference Crooked Stave in Colorado, yes. right? Right. Then I start thinking, oh yeah, because everything from Crooked Stave I like, and everything from Crooked Stave sells. Right. Yeah. Huh. So so if they're um, doing it, it must be good. Exactly. I yeah, mean, you can like, go with that thought, but the other thing is, um, that's a blend. This. I feel is a burgeoning category. Also, kombucha um, takes days off of your life, right? I mean, the next day you're actually a couple <laughs> we're talking days about beer. Come on, <laughs> we're talking. Days to your life. <laughs> and what can happen is with the you know brewing with kombucha, uh, we this is a very. Would you agree? This is a very tart beer, or moderately tart. 
Tastes like kombucha. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting you on the line because we're giving you we're giving you access to you are, the experts. Michael Brooks and line, uh, Jimmy just Jimmy's, but it's tough. It's it's a tough sell, and and I'm, and I'm going to try to bring my listeners into it. People like to know what happens day to day in the, in the life of a bar owner. We get this stuff all the time, and, and I will say that I do like your product. Um, I will say that there's a lot of people selling beer out there, and uh, you know we we've even listening to Cigar City earlier. You know they're they're pulling back to local markets, and and uh, the the one thing that I like about you guys besides the taste is that you guys are local, and I, I have to say that we are selling a much higher percentage of, of beers brewed in New York City and and, and the surrounding region. Well, I think I mean there's so there's a that's that's there, a, that's a, a new issue. No, but there's a caveat there though. Cigar City has grown, and this is something we didn't get to talk about, but they've grown over a hundred percent per year in the last five years which means that the demand in Florida has gone through the roof. So they had no choice but to pull back because they can only make so much beer, and they can sell all of it in Florida if they want to Yeah, because everybody wants it. And, my- Michael, at Bedvine Brew, like what- what's the makeup you know, in terms of what you sell, whether it's New York City base, regional, imports? I mean, primarily, I mean, when we first started, we did pretty much 50-50 craft and, and, and European, but now it's, it's like... 90, 95% craft. So, and at that, we always have somebody that's local on there, depending who, who it is, a six point single cut or whoever. But, you know, something like, you know, Cigar City, when their stuff comes in and it's our draft line, it doesn't last long. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Who do yeah. people, what do people ask for? Like, if people come in, they're like, hey, man, do you have any of that blank? What, what fills in the blank? <laughs> I mean, for the most part, um, you know, we've almost been a year, so we're still kind of new. But people come in, and they're they're just happy to see something on the list that they haven't had before. Nice, nice, great, Joe. One more quick. Qu- we have a call in to so right. Joe. Quick question. Quick point. So much of craft beer is about what's really hot, what's happening, what's the latest, greatest thing. Uh, this is a brand new category uh, that will brings a very complex flavor experience to craft beer. Awesome. And we have a, a special call-in guest. But first, any listeners out there, if you want to go on Twitter, at Beer underscore Sessions, or I guess at Heritage underscore Radio, I have a question, and you can answer it. Um, there's a place called Scormont Abbey. And if you know what that is and, and what they make, you're, you're going to win an I Like Beer t-shirt. So we're going to hold off for a second before we answer that question. But we've, we've got a, a, an author. Uh, it's The Beer Drinker's Guide to God. William B. Miller, he's a he's a is Episcopalian priest and a bar owner. Uh, William, welcome to the show. You William or Bill? Uh, you know what? I answer to all sorts of things, so I'm just happy to be on your show today. <laughs> well, I, I want to. I'll give a quick. I I, I I read a lot of your book last night, and uh, first thing is, is is why did you write a book about beer and God? Well, you know, it's really pretty simple. I love God and I love beer, and sometimes in that order, uh, sometimes not so much. Uh, I'm also a parish priest and a bar owner, so uh, in some ways I'm pretty uniquely qualified to write uh, to write such a book. And plus, you know, you've always got to do research on your books, right? So doing research on, on this book was a lot more fun than hanging out solely in a theological library, I'll tell you what. <laughs> so I'm going I'm to ask you a tough question. Because I, I read the book, and there wasn't that much about beer. So why did you call it the Beer Drinker's Guide to God instead of just, like, the Drinker's Guide to God? Well, you know, I could have picked another beverage. Uh, my beverage of choice happens to be beer. And uh, I could have gone with uh, whiskey. I could have gone 
uh, in the manner of our Lord, uh, who turned water into wine at the wedding reception in Cana. I certainly could have gone uh, with wine, but I'm really a beer drinker, and I uh, I think it's it's kind of the universal language, really. When I travel around the world, I can go into any city, and there's usually a, a pub and a parish I can visit. And uh, the million-dollar question is, hey, man, can we let's meet up for a beer. And what that means for me is, uh, let's have a beer together, let's get to know each other, let's share our stories, uh, let me see what you're brewing here locally. And so uh, for me, it's become kind of the, the uh, universal language of connection. Awesome. Hey, uh, thanks so much for being on the show. This is Jimmy Ludwig from the Happy Hour Guys. Uh, I was I was raised Episcopal. I was baptized and uh, and 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 brought into the church and uh, in in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And uh, there's a, a a beer drinker's song up there that actually goes, "In heaven there ain't no beer." So <laughs> your contention is that actually in heaven there is beer. Is that correct? I absolutely believe that. I mean, I, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> I, I think there are going to be a lot of disappointed people if they're not. And, you know, growing up Episcopalian, you have, you may have heard the expression that I think kind of captures who we are, where two or three are gathered, there is always a fifth. Uh-huh, yes, uh, I remember it well. <laughs> now, that's not specifically about beer, but I think it captures uh, some of our joy for life and uh yeah, so I, I look forward to, to uh, sharing a cold one with uh, with our Lord. Well, you're, you're a good one. I, I could listen to you all night. <laughs> but let me get uh, th- there's one chapter that really I really liked and I thought hits what we do. Um, it was your visit to tell us what Scoremont Abbey is. That's really my favorite chapter. Yeah, it was such you know some of the the, the great beers of the world. I mean, are still brewed by by our friends the monks in the Trappist monasteries, and uh, that's the home of Chimay. And uh, I had such a a great time praying and partaking uh, with the monks, and particularly with the abbot there. And uh, we had such a wonderful conversation uh, that in some ways was about the beer, but in other ways was really about much more than beer, about uh, how the, the proceeds from Chimay allows them to do good uh, throughout the world. And, of course, you know, this entire conversation was over the course of sharing a couple of beers with the abbot. Uh, <laughs> That's great. That's great. So uh, you, I, I really enjoyed that chapter in particular. So uh, I like the beer. Jimmy, another question? Yeah, I was just, uh, I mean, we, we often say in our show on the Happy Hour, guys, um, thank God for yeast. I mean, because if, there weren't, if it weren't for yeast, we wouldn't have many things. We wouldn't have bread. We wouldn't have, but we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have booze. And uh, I, I think they feel like that's sort of the, one of the base things that you're talking about. Is that right? A- absolutely. And, you know, in my research, and I'm, I'm not an authority. I'm more of a drinker. You know, I'm one who enjoys a good beer. But uh, in my research, I read that uh, uh, some of the early brewers, uh, when they discovered the power of yeast to transform, called it God is good. Mm. <laughs> and uh, that makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Absolutely, it does. Well, your book's great. You've got a lot of quotes. And, and uh, what's the famous quote by Benjamin Franklin? Beer is proof that God loves us and wants us to be happy. <laughs> You're good, Bill. I tell you what, we're going to have you on the show again because, uh, as I said, I could listen to you all night, and uh, I, I really appreciate what, what you did. So thanks so much for, for calling in. And again, Thank it's the you. Beer Drinker's thanks Guide to me. God, William B. Miller. And there's a great chapter about Chimay. So Scoremont Abbey is the home of Chimay that we all love. So, all right. So who, who wants to say anything about Chimay or, or the Trappist beers? I'll say that it was one of the first beers 
that that turned me on to craft beer. It wasn't that it was American beer. It was actually the, the, the Belgian beers. And we've had people say, well, if I'm a wine drinker, how, how do I get turned on to beer? What, for you, Michael, you know, with more of a wine background, was there a certain style of beer that, that turns you on to beer? Or you just went right to craft beer? Um, I would say, for me, um, I would say what turned me on the most was the the difference between regular IPAs and imperial imperial IPAs that really turned me on like just seeing the, the difference you could have in in the in the alcohol content and in, in, in the strength and also the difference in the hop character that was really turned me on to craft beer all right i had a i had a moment where uh yeah an IPA kind of took the top of my head off but it really i, I think throughout my life there've always been moments where i just you said it earlier where i just had that i didn't know beer could do that you know, I, I didn't know. Yeah, Saison. Saison for you, Spiro? You know, yeah. 100%. So you like beer, even though you make kombucha beer. I adore beer. beer. I've loved beer since high school. <laughs> I won't even try to say no. It's it, uh, Beer rules. Beer is wonderful. Thank yeah. you. Well, yeah, too. We covered a lot of bases on the show tonight. Thanks, for everybody, for listening in. Uh, there's a few events coming up. Michael, tell us the website for Judgment of Brooklyn. Judgmentofbrooklyn.com. Love that. <laughs> nice. But it's a great event, May 17th in, in, in New York City, and uh, we'll all be there looking forward to it. So, everybody, thanks for joining me. We had a great guest tonight Joe Spiro, Michael, Father Bill, Jimmy Ludwig. And did I miss anybody? I don't know. Uh, thanks for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and engineer Jack Inslee, the guy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Nice. Take care. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.